0: Hello and welcome to Imagine Amazing, Oregon HFMA's podcast with its current president. We are so excited to be back with you for a third season, which is packed full of exciting content.
1: Uh, Yes, we're so excited to be in our third season. There's so much content coming to our followers this year, and we can't wait to share it all with you. In our first episode of the season, we were joined by healthcare workers in the state of Oregon, sharing how the vaccine mandate has impacted their organizations and their futures. In this episode, we're thrilled to be joined by two key healthcare vendors who are feeling their own impact as they work to support the healthcare industries. So consider this chapter two of the impact of COVID and the COVID mandates.
0: As this is the President's Podcast, we are joined today by Oregon HFMA's 2020-2022 through Chapter President, Tammy Kuhn, who will be providing us with important chapter updates and healthcare trends in Oregon. Tammy, two years and still going strong, congratulations. Uh, Thank you so much for your leadership, and we're happy to have you with us today.
1: And as a reminder to our listeners, this podcast is available on all popular podcast platforms and is now viewable on Oregon HFMA's YouTube channel. To watch the podcast, pop some popcorn, go to YouTube, type in Oregon HFMA Imagine Amazing, click on the desired episode, and sit back and enjoy.
0: I'm one of your hosts, Jeff Johnson.
1: And I'm the other host, Kelly Smith. Today's episode of Imagine Amazing is sponsored and made possible by one of Oregon HFMA's Diamond Sponsors, Professional. Professional is committed to delivering quality services that exceed the expectations of their clients. Focused on early out and collection services, professionals' clients see results that are better than industry average thanks to their unique methodology that combines consumer-centric services with unsurpassed security, compliance, training, and accreditation. To learn more about professional, please visit www.professionalcredit.com. Thank you so much, professional.
0: Kelly and Tammy, I'm so excited to introduce a new segment to our podcast today. We're going to call it Cut the Crap, where we talk about some items that probably shouldn't exist in the world, but they do. One of these came to me, actually, as I was leaving our last HFMA conference, I decided, to go through the Starbucks, which was sitting nearby just to grab something for the road trip. If anyone's ever driven through a drive-through at Starbucks, you can probably tell me about your experience. What do you do first? Do you guys remember? You drive up to a little kiosk, right? And you order, so ordering is first. You then drive around to make a payment at a window and then you get your product. So as I go to do this, I of course place my order I drive around, as I get to the window, there's a sign in the window, which I did not expect to see at all. And for those of you who are listening to our podcast, and I'll, I'll try to share it with you guys here, if you can see that, it says, we're happy to provide braille and large print menus for anybody. And while that is an awesome and amazing message, and we definitely, I think it's very inclusive, I start to laugh because one, I had to order where? I had to order back there, and the offering of a menu is now being offered at a payment window. So I think that's funny. Additionally, can I drive through a drive through if I cannot see? Probably not. And even if I could make it through there, how am I going to see this sign, which is in a window in a drive through? Right? <laughs> So in my process of actually laughing about this whole thing, the lady goes, what are you laughing at? And I said, your sign, do you have another sign at the front door anywhere else? And she goes, no, this is our sign. We're trying to be inclusive, which, okay, great. And I totally agree. I, I have friends that cannot see. I think that is a wonderful offering and it should be everywhere. But as you think about wanting to be inclusive Um, we can't just assume that we understand what being inclusive means. I think that's a big takeaway that I took. We need to walk through individual shoes who are needing to be included to really understand the best way to approach them. Because I promise you that little thing (laughs) in the window Mm -hmm. is no way that this is going to be positive. And then of course my wife, she's like, well, you're being a little bit too judgmental, Jeff, because maybe, maybe someone's riding in the car with them that needs it. Right. And I said, well, if someone's riding with me in the car and they can't see, I'm just gonna read the menu to them, right? At the end of the day. Um, But I just found it very interesting. It's a segment that I think we can call cut the crap. Like let's let's think through things um, as we go to be inclusive and not just do it because we're trying to be inclusive. I think that was the message that I took away and open for feedback from our people here today. Like feel free to disagree with me. I think that would be a lot of fun. On this podcast, but Jeff, great story. I think you love right. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna look,
1: I'm gonna look for one of those
2: signs. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> do, do look for
0: the sign. Yeah, it wasn't. It's not in the store where you walk through the door. You know, where you could get it or mm-hmm. anything. So it was just very interesting. Um, and I think we can take from this lesson from Starbucks, right? Um, just a message about our own organizations and how we go to include people and in, and what we're doing. So
3: mm-hmm. they checked the box.
0: They checked the box, but did they really check the box? I love that. Great comment. <laughs> and Teresa, did you go to say something? Because I, it didn't hear you.
4: Oh, no, I just said that you're absolutely right. Um, everyone talks about inclusion and being, you know, considerate of where other people are coming yeah. from and trying to, to solve the problems. And it doesn't, It's it's not, it is just checking the box. I mean, you have to really go beyond that to understand where other people are coming from and really have empathy for them in their situation to, to solve and offer good solutions. So, and it goes across the entire gamut of everything we do every day. Right?
0: Yeah, totally agree. Well, thank you guys for letting me share that story with you. If any of our listeners have stories that they want to share that we can put online on our segment called Cut the Crap, we'd be happy to entertain those, right, Tammy and Kelly? We would. All right. With that, Tammy Kuhn, just thank you again for being with us um, in this episode of Imagine Amazing. I know that you work so hard with all of the remarkable Oregon HFMA volunteers to bring the best information and education to all of Oregon HFMA members. So thank you for being with us again today.
5: No, thank you. It's always, uh, I'm always glad to join you and Kelly. There is so much happening uh, daily in healthcare, and I'm grateful to have this platform to be able to discuss and share important topics and information.
1: That's great, Tammy. We love interacting with you. We're so grateful for all that you do for the chapter. And speaking of what you do and what Jeff alluded to, we just had our first in person conference a couple of weeks ago after quite some time and really hoping that you're going to take a few minutes to give our listeners an update on how things went, what topics were covered, and how they will catch some of the education events that occurred during that
5: meeting. I would love to share, Kelly. So first, being back in person was great. It was exciting to see all of our members and so much fun. I can't think of any member that did not say that they were having fun. Um, you know, for this conference, we chose to do a hybrid event, um, meaning in person or virtual. But one of the key things that we're always thinking of is keeping our members safe as a format and are foremost in all of our minds. And the chapter decided that to attend in person, we wanted our members to attest that they had received their COVID shots. So basically, if you were vaccinated, you could attend in person. If you were not vaccinated, we suggested that you go online and, and attend virtually. And basically, we wanted to be able to share our education with everybody. And so I think it was a great event. Um, well turned out. We had uh, equal half in person and really half um, virtually. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. And I think one of the, the biggest takeaways for Oregon is um, joining in person is so much fun. And um, you, it's a really big advantage because of the networking that we do. Um, and let's just say that Oregon is not shy on their networking fun. In fact, Oregon HFMA decided that we would take on TikTok at this last conference. Nice. So you're going to have to stay tuned and, um, see that future video of us. Um, it's going to be exciting and, um, you know, just share some of the things, the fun things that we do, but as far as education, one of the, uh, favorite sessions, and it's actually one of our newest sessions, is the CFO radio talk show. And and it has been a a hit, really, since we've had it, um, and a favorite from all of our members. So if you have not had a chance to listen to this session, you're missing out. So please catch that CFO a radio talk show. We had um, sessions on lean um, and just some really funny um, speakers and it was great education and across the board, all of our members really enjoyed uh, the education and the fun that we had.
0: That's awesome. Tammy, so will there be future in-person events planned?
5: There will be. Um, we So we are planning to be back in person, um, but we will do hybrid throughout the rest of the year. So. Um, we have our February conference coming up, and then we also have our big annual event, Salishan, coming up. Both are going to be a hybrid model.
0: That's awesome. You know, that was, I was there as well, and one of my big takeaways was just how great the chapter did at merging the technology with the in-person experience. And I just learned that it doesn't really matter where you're at in your life and what what you're facing. You can join these great educational sessions because Oregon HFMA has opened it up either to be online or to, like you said, enjoy it in person.
1: The other thing I thought was interesting as a participant, so exciting to go and and be there with others is we're now accustomed to live streaming our sessions so that if you're not there in person, you have the opportunity to listen to the education sessions. But for the first time, I was live at the conference with a speaker who was remote And calling in and presenting. And, you know, that worked very well, too. No problem with the audio. And we were able to get some very good speakers by accommodating them in that way, too. So it was a ton of fun. And Tammy, if someone wanted to learn more about the hybrid conferences that we offer and when the events are scheduled to happen for Oregon HFMA, where should they go?
5: Well, I have exciting news. So Mm -hmm. Oregon HFMA recently updated their website. So all of our conference information, education, networking opportunities, They're all updated on our new website, so you can learn more about that by going to www.oregonhfma.org. Uh, we also want to invite everyone to join our full, our next full-day conference happening February seventeenth, twenty 2022, in Portland, Oregon. It's going to be hybrid, so again, meaning you can join in person or virtually, whatever meets your needs. Oh,
1: that's awesome. And as the chair of the committee that's overseeing the February meeting, I can assure you it's going to be an amazing one day event full of great education. And it's the first time that we're offering this format. So we typically have a three-day conference session with both patient accounts and finance. And for the first time ever, we're offering a workshop. So it's a single day workshop designed so that those that attend really can, at the end of the day, leave with new skill set, and new, new tools in their toolbox. So we're very excited to be offering some more information about that. If you're interested or would like to register and join us for that fun day, then you can visit the www.oregonhfma.org slash chapter events.
5: Thanks, Kelly. So I'm very interested in today's podcast. So, with so many mandates being imposed on healthcare systems, local, federal governments, I thought it would be valuable to discuss the impacts of these mandates and the impact to the healthcare system vendor partners in Oregon.
0: Tammy, I'm really so grateful that you picked this. And I love that we're digging in a little bit deeper to this topic versus just leaving it where we left it in the last episode. I think there's a lot more for us to discuss and a lot more for us to learn. And so with that, will you please introduce your amazing guests that you brought to the podcast today?
5: Joining us today, we have Angie Cox, who is the chief operating officer for Extend. Angie has 25 years of experience supporting the financial needs of hospitals and physician practices. We also have Jason Coppin, who is the Chief Operating Officer for HRG. And Jason has 25 years of experience as an executive in healthcare and financial services. Also been instrumental in continuing evolving HRG's operations. We also have today from Extend, Teresa Matthews. Teresa, do you wanna go ahead and give us a little bit more about your background?
4: Sure. Um, So my name is Teresa Matthew Jenkins, and I'm VP of Sales for Extend Healthcare for the Western U.S. basically the western half of the United States and thrilled to be here. Thank you. Awesome. And also
5: joining us is Kelly Ryan from HRG. Kelly, do you want to give us a little bit about you?
6: Sure. Thanks, Tammy. So I am the VP of Business Development also for the West Coast and working on um, evolving sales and working closely with Jason and our amazing operations
5: team. Perfect. Well, I am excited about hearing the insights from all of you guys and the impacts that you guys have seen in your organizations.
1: Yes, and thank you, everyone. We're so happy to have you join us today on our podcast and excited to hear from you. And just a little quick background in the previous podcast, we focused questions on healthcare providers and systems to get a better sense of how the, the vaccine mandates were impacting their operations. And we decided we wanted to branch out a little further, recognizing that that also would have had an impact on your organizations. And so today we join you and are interested to hear what you have to share with us. And so my very first question is, how have the COVID mandates impacted your staffing? And HRG, we'll start with you.
2: Sure, yeah, thank you. So when COVID first started in 2020, um, HRG moved to a remote workforce. So I initially thought that would be about a four to six week period. And once we hit about the two month mark, we decided that we had to invest in some additional communication and tools to be successful. So we, like other organizations, we uh, got serious about Microsoft Teams. We deployed web cameras, we moved to IP phones. Um, And we started scheduling video meetings like this one, right? So we all got used to being on teams. Um, Really, the mandates affected just a small number of staff that we had in headquarters, but we had to do a lot to keep that staff safe. So we really focused a lot on keeping the small number of folks we had in headquarters safe, but allowed the majority of our staff to be remote. And we really haven't seen any negative impacts on staffing. In fact, it really kind of opened the doors for us to have more staff Um, it allowed us to hire for specific needs for some of our clients. And so we've been in a unique position that we could, we could really help with some needs our, our clients had, especially facilities that didn't have the ability to go remote. So we could really come and augment and help with some of that. So for us, it, it, uh, really helped us deploy some new technologies, um, mature our business model, but also we've been able to grow, um, our organization as part of that too. So.
5: Excellent. How about Extend?
3: Well, uh, we have not been negatively impacted by the COVID mandates either. In fact, it opened up a new world for us to be able to hire talent from across the country, which was really exciting. Um, we quickly moved our teams home at the start of the pandemic, which incidentally was also when I started with Extend. <laughs> and we um, but we were lucky in that we didn't have any layoffs or furloughs for our team. We were able to maintain the strength of our team, take care of our, our employees. And most of that was due in part to us uh, making a new strategy. Um, we were in a tough spot where we knew we were going to have less uh, less assignments and less placements. And so we, uh, we developed a new business line where we work with state and local governments to help them with their vaccine strategy. So we set up some call centers so we could help them do vaccine scheduling, do customer service, as well as doing contact tracing. So we kind of morphed into a new business which helped us to keep our staff intact. So it it impacted us in a positive way. (laughs) Not that anybody wants a pandemic, but it did did morph a little bit.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that there was a quick adoption of technology and that it's mm-hmm. pushed you to do new things, I think a lot of organizations have experienced that. Uh, when we were speaking with the healthcare systems last time, one of the mandates that has come out is obviously requiring a vaccination for their employees. So I guess going back to both of you again, you know, where is HRG as far as a mandate for their employees to be vaccinated? Uh, extend the same question to you. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, from, from HRG's perspective, we continue to educate our staff on the benefits of the vaccine. We're strongly encouraging the vaccine. Um, we provided a COVID resource webpage for our staff. Um, we have web, you know, web meetings available to help navigate new information. We've been sending that out pretty periodically. We offered free telehealth solutions for staff as part of that too. Um, but due to the majority of our staff working remote, we haven't had the need to make a vaccine mandate a requirement for employment at this time. Um, we're still waiting on guidance, you know, from OSHA on that. In the event that that does provide further clarification, uh, we're going to f- figure out what we have to do to allow staff to test weekly uh, that don't want to get vaccinated. So um, that's really our approach and, and how we're handling that right now.
0: Thanks, Angie.
3: The same with extend. We um, our parent com- company is Naviant and they have some federal contracts. So we are as, the co- as a company reviewing all of the um, information and details and are on what might be the COVID-19 action plan coming from the Biden administration. And so we're we're trying to plan for that. And we we do not have vaccines as a condition of employment right now but we will pivot when we need to. If that instruction comes along, we will do that. We do have some clients customers out there who do require proof of vaccination uh, Mm -hmm. for us to be on site. So we fully comply with everything that they ask for. We follow their policies and procedures, uh, but it's not required for my work from home staff that are doing uh, remote uh, insurance work.
0: No, that's great. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question, actually, to both of you. Like, are there certain positions that you do have a mandate based on their interaction with healthcare providers? But you answered that, so thank you so much.
2: Yeah, we have the same um, the same guideline. If it's required by one of our clients, then we'll put vaccinated staff on it. Or if we need to go on site to a facility, uh, we ask for our staff going on site to be vaccinated as well. So, and that's great.
3: One step further, we have um, we have surveyed all of our teams to see uh, where they are in the status of getting vaccinated, because it could happen, we've had them enter their vaccination status in Workday, which is our HR system, just so we can help plan. You know, is it a, is it a big mm-hmm. thing for us? Is it a small thing for us? And uh, be considering we're across the nation, um, we just need to have that at our disposal when we do get that direction on an action plan.
2: No, I that's think that's great.
3: really
1: good a, and maybe an important distinction between some flexibility that the healthcare providers have had and what some of our vendor partners are able to mm-hmm. offer for their staff. And I had a chance at the conference last week to talk to some of our vendor partners and find out how has this impacted your ability to, to meet directly with clients. So it falls exactly with what you're saying here. Um, but my, my question follow up for both of you is, have you put in any restrictions for staff who uh, about attending conferences if they're not vaccinated or even traveling if they're not vaccinated?
3: We have not. If people are comfortable, uh, we leave it up to them. If they aren't comfortable, we're not requiring it. Um, for some of our, you know, salespeople, uh, we're, we're letting them lead with what they're comfortable with at this time.
2: Thanks, Angie. I would like to say, in, in the beginning, um, we, we really took a hard look at travel and really only asked people to travel if it was very, you know, business essential. Um, But as we matured through COVID and we learned more um, right now, it's a a personal choice, you know, so uh, we are seeing more clients open to people come on site, there's more face to face interaction. So we are seeing more on site travel happening. Um, but really, at this point, it, we allow it to be a personal choice for the for the client and for the people involved in the on-site travel too. Um, it is nice that it seems like the business environment is much more comfortable with these types of meetings on Teams. So there's a lot more choices uh, to talk to clients than there was traditionally in the past before COVID. So, um, yep.
0: it's awesome. I I was curious. What have you seen? You work so closely with so many healthcare systems. What are you seeing the impact of the mandates having on them on their revenue cycles? And what is the big ask from them coming to you as organizations? So we'll go ahead and start with you, Angie.
3: Well, we are definitely seeing people reach out to us, hospitals reaching out to us, asking for help in some staffing. Um, like the, some of the hospitals that do have mandates, they are um, they need some help just being able to bring revenue in the door. So we, um, we've developed through, especially since um, starting up our new business line with public health, we've been able to uh, work with our recruiting to do mass recruiting quickly. We have a technology that we're able to um, help with training and other pieces of getting someone on board quickly uh, through technology. So so we're just trying to be ready for the need um, because we've had people reach out and they need a quick turnaround. So we have to be ready, um, have people um, ready to help to restore the health of an organization.
2: Awesome, Jason? Yeah, I know that uh, many of the hospitals that we work with, they've seen an increase in revenue, I think, from pre COVID periods. However, their staffing levels have decreased, right, as the labor market has tightened. And so they have more, uh, more claims coming in the door and less people to be able to work them. In addition, I think the demand on clinical staff is, is at an all time high, right? And so not only is that uh, just causing stress overall um, in the healthcare. But it's also, I think, causing some slowness, you know, I think, in just claim processing and some of that stuff, too. So we've had um, clients reach out. And so we help to strategize with them right now. And so one of the one of the strategies is looking at patient access and how can you keep people focused on patient access and what are what are parts of that operation we could take on remotely, like authorizations to really give some relief there. There's also some facilities that are trying to take um back office staff and put them in non-clinical roles to help the clinical staff out, you know, so they can spend more time in patient care. And so we're spending some time strategizing what pieces of that, can we take that and for how long to backfill so they can redeploy some staff internally. And it doesn't seem like this is an issue that's going to resolve itself anytime sooner. I think the demand on clinical staff is just going to continue. So I think hospitals are just going to have to get more creative on how they address those and so it's nice that there's options out there for HRG and extend to be able to you know partner with them and, and figure out what makes sense
0: you know, it's so important to have you guys in the game and of course where you're standing right now it's kind of beneficial those who don't want to get the vaccine you're accommodating in some way mm-hmm. but if they have to they're not you know you had mentioned before having put together a uh, you're you're just kind of capturing anyone who's already received the vaccine so that if it Mm -hmm. becomes a mandate you know how to track that in the future curious if any of you have actually surveyed your employees in case that mandate becomes a reality for your organizations will will it have the same kind of impact that we're seeing on healthcare right now where people are just leaving their jobs or do you think you'll be staying pretty strong it's just i know you don't know yet but we're just asking that question So we'll start with you, Jason, if that's okay. Because start with Angela. I think in
2: the current um, proposal that's out there, there is an option, right? So you don't have to have staff that are fully vaccinated, right? If you have staff that choose not to be vaccinated, you have to allow for for weekly testing. And so we are working through a process to allow that, so that you know that people that choose not to get vaccinated, they still have that choice. Um, to do that. We do have a survey. The first thing we did was take a look at everybody that was in the building working in our headquarters location who was vaccinated, who wasn't vaccinated, and tried to place people in ways that would be keep them the safest, right? We try to put every safeguard we can in place to keep people safe that are on site. We try to limit new people to the building. And so really, um, it's going to be interesting to see when that full mandate comes out, how does that address remote workers, right? I, I have a feeling that it may say that remote workers don't have a vaccination mandate. I haven't seen that in writing, but I expect it may be there. And so um, that may give some relief or push some other organizations that haven't embraced the remote workforce yet, maybe to consider some of that um, because it may give them some relief.
3: Yes, I would definitely agree. Um, we It might impact our staff and people have actually been a little bit afraid of, them, of having the requirement, um, depending on the state. And um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We're trying to reassure them. But definitely, if they're, if they're an on-site employee and our customer requires it, we're trying to work with them. If, if they do not want to get the vaccine, we move them to a different role. Um, but not always is that possible. So we, have to, um, we really have to evaluate each situation. But we have about 95% of our staff home, working remotely. Only people with, who are definitely can't do their function off-site, um, they are in the office. And, and, and we want to keep it as a safe environment. So we're not allowing any sort of hybrid work to happen at this time. They, if you work from home, you work from home. And if you're on-site, you're, you, you're, the 5% that are on-site, we're you know, doing our best to keep everyone safe.
0: Very good. Uh, You know, Jason, you had mentioned that you do have an option, right? Uh, Not being a healthcare provider, there wasn't a specific mandate for other organizations to have to get the vaccine. If that does get extended, though, I I, I said the word extend, that's kind of funny. You guys, that's your your name. Didn't mean it that way. But um, I've heard of some consideration out there that if you do work with healthcare or education, that also has the mandate that you might be required as a vendor partner to follow their same guidelines. So um, thank you for answering that. And that, that's why we had originally asked that question.
1: Thank you. you know, one thing, as you both talk about this new world of either remote completely or hybrid, I think all of us now find ourselves in a position of, what is the new normal going to look like? And will we go back? Will we continue to be remote as a permanent option for our employees? And so I'm just curious to, to get your insight about what you think the new normal will look like for your organization. So Angie, how about for you?
3: So at Extend, we are going to, um, our work from home teams are going to remain work from home. We've actually made our footprint smaller. We had a very large space here in Hendersonville as our corporate office. We've been able to close down one phase and we're thinking about closing down another one. And everyone is very encouraged by that because they're all in fear that we're going to have them, you know, say 30 days you need to come back in. But we've been able to, we've weathered this storm. We know it's successful. And we think this is our new normal. We're just learning how to manage it the best we can.
1: Oh, that's great. And I think you're right. I think at this point, even those employees who thought, oh, it's temporary. I'll go back in the office. I can't wait to go back in the office. If you asked them now to come back into the office, they'd say, time out. I kind of like my gig. (laughs) What do you mean (laughs) I have to go back? So nice that you're being flexible there. And Jason, Mm -hmm. how about for you?
2: Yeah, I, I think the way we used to do business is gone. Right, so I think that because we had a work, you know, remote workforce option, a lot of organizations had that for so long. There's just an expectation in the marketplace that if it's that type of position that you offer, that right. I don't think you can staff anymore with those types of positions in a building. Um, there are some employees that do their best work in a building, and so we allow an option for that. We also have to print in a building too because we don't allow people to print PHI at home. There's just too much risk there, so. <laughs> So we have people that print in a building, but since COVID, we've been recruiting new staff across the country. So it wouldn't even be viable for us to move back to everybody in one building because our our staff is across the whole United States now. So for us, um, much like Angie said, you know, we've made we've actually improved production because I think some of those issues that you might've saw in the past, you know, dress code and some of those issues um, just don't exist. You don't have to spend time on that. And it seems like people's days are a little bit more organized. We do find though that people miss that personal interaction that they had in the office. So it's really important. I think employee engagement becomes a much more important issue in this new workforce, right? It doesn't have to be everybody on site in the building, but people still want to talk about their day and they still want to have friends at work. And so just finding ways Mm -hmm for people to be able to engage, I think is how we continue to uh, do better, right? Um, just, just as a country with this new remote remote work model, but I think um, it's here to stay and um, it's just gonna continue to increase over time, so.
0: You know, uh, Kelly was talking, asking about your new model And you both mentioned that you're monitoring, you know, making sure that they're doing a great job. But what tools are you using? What have you bought? Please share with everybody if you have a really cool tool (laughs) to make sure that people are truly being productive. I think that's one of the biggest things that I hear all the time from managers and executives in in organizations is, yeah, you're at home and you're really watching TV, answering the phone every once in a while. How do we know (laughs) that you're really doing your job? So we will start with you, Angie.
3: We are using the same electronic tool that we used before the pandemic. So it is uh, just part of our Prism system. And um, we uh, rank stack everyone against each other and we can show and prove throughout the, the months and even previously that they are doing better and better. They know that is the requirement.
0: That's cool. Do you have any video monitoring? I mean, is that what is that what it is? Or I mean, can you jump in and see what they're doing in their homes? Or how does it work?
3: No, we have not gone to that level yet. Um, but um, and we've not felt like we have needed it at this time, but we're not opposed to it. We have teams as well, so we can look at <laughs> each other faces and hear voices. And I do think that makes a difference because many people have said that they've been lonely mm-hmm.
2: yeah. being in the work
3: environment. It was great at first, but they and they were so appreciative. But now they're kind of over it and they really want to know how their co-workers are doing. So we're encouraging a lot of, uh, you know, take your coffee break together, call your friend on Teams and just don't talk about work. Just take a coffee break like you would before.
0: Smart. Jason, same question for you.
2: Yeah, so the first thing we did was we, we centralized on Microsoft Teams sure, You know, We had some different communication tools, but we felt like it was important for everybody to be on the same one in the remote world. We gave all of our staff um, web cameras. And so now the team meetings are all done on web camera. We require it. All our management meetings are on web camera. Um, And we also now have quite a bit of our client meetings on web camera, which in the past was something that was, was tough to get done. Right. But now (laughs) you really want that from a productivity standpoint, we have a tool too, that we had been tracking productivity called Helix. We developed it ourselves, but we've had to enhance it. One of the things we added to it was the ability for staff to see real time metrics, like how they're doing, what their KPIs are, anytime they want to see it. And so that was really important to get that real time feedback themselves Um, And then we also allowed for leadership to be able to monitor it a lot better. You know, you can't stand up at your desk and look to see who's maybe not paying attention. And Mm so really just better visibility of the monitoring that was done um, in that tool as well. And so that's been really effective. And I think that's one of the things that allows um, leadership to be comfortable with remote workforces. I think we all kind of had the stigma that you're just going to have a bunch of people sitting around in their pajamas not working. But really, I think people appreciate it and they do. What I've seen is they, you know, they give it 100% or more every day. In fact, the problem I have, especially with our leadership, is get them to stop working. It's almost like because they're home, they work too much now. So too many times you got to say, just log off for the night and spend time with your family. You know what I mean? So I think we might be running into an issue where we're getting too much work out of people. um, And that home-life balance maybe is, is getting challenged because they're working from home. So that's something we might need to take a look at in the future, too, as that happens.
0: That's funny. I think everyone at HRG who's listening just went, Yoo-hoo! Jason's complaining we're working too hard.
1: <laughs> I And I've heard two others say, uh, no, I don't work from home. I sleep at work.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? like that. That's, great. That's the, the new world. Well, I just have one last question for both of you. And I really appreciate that both of you acknowledged how important it is to still create a sense of camaraderie and, and team morale and how much difficult that is when we're working from home. And i would love to see what some organizations have done to try and help manage morale or fun ways that they've engaged staff in team environments, even though we are all, all virtual. And so, Angie, do you have any examples of things that your teams have done to try and help instill that, that same sense? Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, last Let's see. Recently, we had a conference for all of our leadership, and we, we focus on a book from David Buck um, Burkus that's called Leading from Anywhere. And it had really good and innovative ideas um, where you can get people to feel mm-hmm. engaged. So even if it's starting off a meeting or ending a meeting where you'll, they'll say, OK, what's your favorite pizza? You know, even if it's just like a five-minute thing where people are, where people feel like they're getting to know that coworker. Or what's your favorite football team? What's your all-time favorite movie? So just you, you know, throwing out some of those questions that everybody gets to know a little bit and maybe can bond with somebody. Um, having those those breaks, having Taco Tuesday together. Um, so it was it was a it's a great book. I do recommend it, and uh, we're trying to. Um, do fun things like everybody's showing their carved pumpkins now in their home costumes (laughs) and we're sharing recipes for Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, I (laughs) love that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Jason, how about HRG?
2: Yeah. Um, yes, from that perspective, you know, we, we tried to be really transparent through COVID on the decisions we were making and why we were making them, um, and really communicate that to our staff. Uh, we, we, Got um, best places to work again this year, but I was really worried about that because I wasn't sure how staff were going to react, right? To uh, to this all this change, we had so much change, and, and how were they going to feel about you know us as an employer? And I think because we were so transparent on everything we were doing, and we really made sure everybody felt safe, that that made the difference there. So I think that was number one. You know, your morale is going to be high if they feel like as an employer you cared about them. And you helped them through this and you listen to them and you gave them tools that would make it successful. So I think that's number one. Number two is we, you know, employee engagement is huge. And so we have four committees that we've always had, but we had to change them up a little bit. Um, for that employee engagement, you know, the first one's called a CARE Committee. It's Community, Activity, Recreation, and Employee Ownership, because we're an employee-owned company. And it's really just finding ways to celebrate or get together, you know, get staff together. And so the way we did that had to change. And a lot of that was, you know, after hours, a bingo party or different things like that, or people posting pictures on a new Facebook page we created for HRG employees, that kind of thing. And so the CARE Committee um, is doing that. We have one called Master Builders, which is a team of experts and users, really, that help enhance our Helix software that I talked about. They recommend that the changes, they vet those, and they test them. And so, you know, helping to have employees continue to be engaged in that, um, that area really helped. We have a health and wellness committee that does what you'd expect it to do, right? So physical fitness, mental health, but like yoga at your desk, you know, finding things like that to roll out to people is important. And then we have a veterans for veterans committee, which is you know, veterans um, finding ways to help. And actually, that has increased over COVID. There's a lot of veterans that have felt very isolated. And so the committee has really taken that on as a mission to help reach out to veterans and you know, really help them. And so I think if you can find ways for employees to be engaged and things that are important to them um, in the organization, that's really going to help put morale, too. And then the last thing we did um and I don't know if you recommend it, but we we send little presents to staff sometimes. But the hardest part about that is the postage costs, right? I wish postage costs yeah. would go down. They don't seem to go down. But we package up little boxes of stuff and periodically just send those to employees. Um, you know, send them some of our uh, marketing stuff or different things. I think if they have things that represent your company, like they have an H R G pin and they have this, you know, it, it makes them feel part of who they work for and remember because they just don't have that signage when they're at home like they did when they walked in the building so we try to just give them some of that around their workspace too to help them continue to feel connected so that's just things we're doing around that so
0: those are awesome Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun so much creativity has gone into really engaging your staff Mm -hmm. so kudos to both organizations and thanks for sharing with everybody who's listening i actually have two final questions and since we have two additional guests that haven't spoken yet. I thought we might ask them a question, which is pretty relevant to COVID and what's been going on. Kelly, we're going to start with you. So just to prep you a little bit here, Um, but here's (laughs) our question. Just how has your engaging as a a representative of your organization changed with, with you reaching out to prospects and existing clients? What's changed due to COVID? And then what are some best practices that you've learned as you've gone through that change.
6: Good question, thank you. Um, and I, I think all of us have seen, it's been sort of transitional, the, the initial COVID that, that began. Um, and what we found at the, at, at the beginning of COVID is that most facilities and most organizations were knee deep in COVID. And they did not wanna see um, anybody else outside of their, their yeah. organization and so we did a lot with, um, from the sales perspective, we, built, we started doing monthly webinars and, and blogs and podcasts. Um, we delivered meals to emergency departments and to our clients that kept their staff on site. We actually started um, delivering things like that. Um, we sent out masks. We started rallying and bringing in masks and other, um, pH, uh, other uh, or things that they could use Um, and getting as much as we could and shipping those out because for uh, particularly some areas, it was hard to get. Um, And so we started doing that. And then as things transitioned through last year, um, we still continued the webcasts and the podcasts. Um, Interestingly enough, and Teresa, you may have seen it too, but um, the West Coast was totally different from the East and the South. Um, Nobody wanted to see us. They don't want you to come on site. They didn't want you to come talk to them. Um, and so it was interesting. You ended up doing more um, telemarketing and conversations and email educational blasts and things like that. Um, whereas my counterparts on the East Coast, they were going to HFMA meetings and yeah, we just had a big meeting and it was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have to say that Oregon HFMA, um, the session that last week was the first that was, I was available to the states I work. And so it was awesome to be able to get out and to finally see people and transition. Um, but it has, you know, on one hand, it's, it's caused you to interact differently um, and come up with different strategies, um, but also understanding kind of where their pain points are. Again, states have varied. Um, we have, particularly on the West Coast, states where vaccines are mandated. And so they are losing, I'll have clients call and say, my IT department just walked out because the the vaccine was mandated by Monday, um, and so they would lose a whole department at once. And I mean, a lot of these are rural facilities, but it just it makes it more complicated for them. So coming up with creative solutions and trying to help um, sales becomes a little different. You get a, have to get a little more creative, um, but it's been it's been fun to grow. Not I don't know if fun's the word, but it's been interesting to grow with them. <laughs> yeah (laughs) and be able to tell talk about you know things that we might be able to do to assist um and address
0: some of their pain points thank you that was awesome teresa
4: okay so um what's different about sales today and how things have changed um i went from you know traveling five days a week to being home full-time which was actually a huge blessing because I have twin 17-year-old daughters, and it's been just amazing to be here with them in the evenings. Um, but in terms of how we work with our clients, um, you know, we did a lot of the same things that Kelly mentioned. We um, shipped out masks. We had tons and tons, thousands of masks. That um, I'm not sure why our corporate had all these masks, but we did <laughs> and it and sent them out. Um, and then we got our marketing department to also order masks as a, as a giveaway and uh, also some other things to be supportive to our clients and even just to all healthcare organizations across the board. Um, and we did some, you know, wonderful uh, community service type uh events we made masks because it was bad there was times where you couldn't even get a mask right and so um, we had mask patterns going around and that kind of thing but anyways beyond that um you know we tried to keep things consistent in terms of supporting our customers and making sure that we did everything we could do to bring in cash um we tried to make sure that the ongoing meetings that we normally would have done face to face were um just you know, switched over to um, virtual. And we just consi- con- continued the consistency and the continued connection uh, to just be there uh, for them as much as we possibly could to make sure that if there's something they needed that we could support them with, that that we did everything we could to, to get it to them uh, and to deliver on, on what was needed. So it definitely has been um, something, you know, <laughs> i could have never imagined in a million years i remember um, talking to several cfos saying oh hey you know this will be over in a couple weeks and you know it'll be a distant memory for us uh and that certainly was not the case and like kelly said on the west coast um, conferences um, meeting face to face all of that um is still pretty much locked down um in a lot of ways i did was able to do some trips this summer and we certainly are starting to have a few more face-to-face events Um, but it has been definitely a a completely different approach in terms of uh, partnering with our our clients and and potential clients so it's been interesting
0: it has well thank you for that response and thanks for jumping in and sharing it's so interesting to learn what people are dealing with and, and how they've managed through that so thank you again for sharing I know both of you have touched, Jason and Angie, on on how you're helping organizations today. But we're going to give you one last opportunity to share. Oregon is one of those states that is on lockdown, like everyone said. We do have the mandates for healthcare workers and education workers to receive the vaccine. Not optional. That was coming down from the government here. And so just would you share with our listeners how your organizations are able to help? hospital systems to support them during this time with their staffing requirements and other things that they may be in need of. And Jason, we'll let you go
2: first. Yeah, so we we provide um, complete business office services, extended business office, HIM coding, early out self-pay, and then some interim um, business office directors. And so we've really seen an uptick in our CBO business. I think there's a lot of facilities that are having a difficult time staffing right? And and also when they lose that key leader. And so uh, that's where that complete business office solution makes sense. And for several of our facilities, it's really taking on their staff and then adding our staff and doing that model for them. So it's been a good opportunity for them there. We've also had some opportunities where um, they were going to lose some coders um, over the vaccine mandate. And a lot of that was because if they're on site working, the mandate was required, but if they're remote, they're not, and they just didn't have remote capabilities. And so we could take their staff and put them on uh, for HRG in a remote capacity because we had that infrastructure, but continue to work for them. And so that's been really a successful model for them as well. And then we've seen quite a bit of leadership changes. And so just being able to provide, you know, vaccinated, Uh, interim directors that can go on site there's just a big need there right now and so i think that's something that's just going to continue to trickle through the healthcare market is just having those leaders especially for those critical access hospitals they're just having a really tough time recruiting you know and then wages just continue to skyrocket in specific areas and so i think that's where using somebody like extend or hrg help normalize some of that right because we have we have bench Mm -hmm. strength we can fill the gaps on vacation all those different things and so it really helps when they're really getting pressure i think on just skyrocketing wages having to pay big dollars for for lower paying positions just because that locally that's that's the market so um did i miss anything else kelly on that
6: no 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 that was that was pretty comprehensive all right
0: awesome thank you and
3: I agree with what Jeff said. Um, we, um, one thing we have to remember too, like the clinical teams, also some of the coding have decided that they wanted to retire. You know, they, you know, if they have to make a decision, some of those people. So we've been able to pick up and help, but we do have the full range of uh, services and are happy to help it, step in and help in any um, staffing shortages that they might have. So I'm going to tag team with Teresa.
4: Um, just to finish up that last question okay um yeah um i would just say you know everything we do is very customized um that's how we ended up getting into doing the vaccination uh, sites um you know we do end-to-end uh solutions so everything can be very Built around the needs of the facility, very specifically, um, we provide a complimentary analysis um, that we can provide to help identify the specifics of what you really need. If you don't know, um, but otherwise, you know, we're just here to help in whatever fashion uh, needed. So, just reach out, and we can have a conversation um, about your needs. And you know, we appreciate um, the partnership and the opportunity to be here. And certainly, um, thank you for this great. Uh, time together um, it's just been awesome
0: thanks well thank you yeah thank you so much for joining us today
5: so thank you guys for all being on the podcast today it's fascinating to hear about what's trending and how providers can respond so thank you for everything that you guys have done for our providers yeah
1: I echo those thanks too and I think just another example of how a public health emergency presented opportunity and I found ways for us to work better together as vendor partners and provider organizations. So uh, as a provider, I thank you all for coming to the aid and providing additional assistance in ways we never thought possible. So thank you very much. And then Tammy, as we leave today, do you have any chapter updates that you want to share with our listeners?
5: Yes, I do. So always a lot going on for the members of Oregon HFMA. So um, Oregon members are encouraged to check out our Western Region Seponium that's happening in Las Vegas at the Paris Hotel and Convention Center, January 16th through the 19th of 2022. And what's great about this is it joins 13 Western states and is loaded with NASPA accreditation sessions and great networking. So it's a great way to kick off the new year. So we hope everybody can join us. And then also, um, as we mentioned earlier, so we have the Winter Conference happening uh, February 17th in Portland and details in the registration is going to be posted on our brand new website. So don't forget to check that out. It is going to be a hybrid event. So a meeting in person and virtual And then you can pick your comfort level whether you want to join us or not. But we hope you can join us because we have some great networking opportunities going on. And then, as always, um, to register, you can go to the conference information at www.oregonhfma.org. And then also, don't forget, we have the special attention of the chapter's annual conference happening at Salishan at the Oregon Coast. So you don't want to miss that conference. And it is May 18th through the 20th. And it's definitely one that's going to be great. So don't miss that conference as well.
0: Yes. Thank you, Tammy. That's great information. And today's guest, thank you for joining us. It was just awesome to hear what you have to say. And to learn what you guys are doing. I also, just so you know, Tammy, I'm already registered for the Western Region Symposium in Vegas. I hope to see everybody there. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait.
1: Oh, Jeff, me too. I registered this week, so very excited about it. So hopefully everyone will take advantage of the information shared in today's podcast and join us for the upcoming conferences. And meanwhile, I'd like to once again thank everyone for joining us today on this podcast and extend the warmest wishes to all Oregon HFA members and want to give a shout out to the amazing healthcare heroes who continue to work at making our lives healthier and happier. So thank you, everyone. This episode of Imagine Amazing is brought to you today by Professional. To learn more about Professional, please visit www.professionalcredit.com. Thank you so much, Professional.
0: This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and all other popular podcast platforms, as well as YouTube. Please find us, like us, and follow us for exciting content in 2021 through 2022. Also, to learn more about Oregon HFMA, please visit us at www.oregonhfma.org.